going to just share for a few minutes about uh, what, what this all means. And I, uh, I got into, a little while ago now, watching this TV program called Long Lost Families. I don't know if you, you've ever seen it, but for those who haven't, it's basically about people who have been adopted or, and they're trying to track down their biological family or, or vice versa. They've given someone up for adoption and they're trying to find them again. And, and this one particular episode I was watching, it was kind of telling the story of um, uh, a lady who, when she was younger, she'd overheard her mum and dad talking in the kitchen and she'd overheard that her dad had another son that she didn't know about. And the, the story was that before he married her mum and they had her, he uh, had had a fling with somebody and there'd been a child that has re resulted uh, because of that relationship. Um, but the woman that he'd had the fling with didn't want anything to do with him. And she, uh, you know, she, she said, I don't, want, I don't want you involved in this child's life. And she ended up giving uh, the little boy up for adoption. And so even though he tried and tried to, to find uh, his son, he was never able to do it. And it haunted him, really, for the whole of his life. And after he died, this, uh, this lady, his daughter, the half-sister of um, the son, she contacted this program, because obviously it was now a thing, and she just said, is there any way you could help me find the child? And the program's got all these experts that do that sort of stuff. So they, they track down this guy, and he's moved all the way to Australia. Um, and they, they find that he's now in his 60s. Uh, he's married, he's got kids, he's got grandkids, and he's living in Australia. So um, in order to make it dramatic enough for television, then what they do is they get the daughter to write a letter to her brother. And a presenter gets on an aeroplane and flies all the way down to Australia, goes and finds this guy, and uh, knocks on his door. And then they, they explain, you know, what they're about. And they, they come in and they're sitting at the kitchen having a cup of tea with him. And the presenter just looks at him and says, how would you feel if you knew that you had family that were looking for you? And he's just, he's thrown by that question because his whole life he just thought of it in one particular way, which is that he was effectively alone. Um, he'd grown up at a time where to be born outside of marriage, there was a stigma attached to that. And, and, and part of the reason he said he'd moved from Wales, uh, which is where he grew up, to Australia, was to escape that stigma. He'd literally run to the other side of the world for it. And he built himself his, his own life down there. But he, he had just always thought of himself in a particular way and always assumed, uh, rightly or wrongly, that his, his parents, his real biological parents, didn't want to have anything to do with him. And so the presenter says, how would you feel if you knew that your family, you had family and they were looking for you? And he can't even answer that question. It's just such a strange one to him. And then the presenter gets a letter, puts it on the table, the letter his sister has written, and pushes it across the table to him. And he kind of picks it up in these trembling hands and looks at us. And he says, the presenter says, this is from your sister. Um, and then, because it's telly, they make him read it aloud. So then he opens it up and he starts reading. And in the letter, his sister just explains that she, uh, about his dad, that his dad always wanted to know him. He always wanted a relationship with him. And he spent all this time searching for him. He just was never able to find him. And that he died still longing and still haunted by that. And as he's reading this letter aloud, the guy just loses it. Um, because in that moment... And through that little piece of communication, suddenly his, his whole way of viewing the world switches from him thinking he's alone or thinking he's rejected to knowing that he was wanted and he was desired. And I remember just watching this and thinking about how similar that story is to what it is to become a follower of Jesus, what it means to become a Christian. 
Um, in, in many ways, we're going to be baptizing our friends in a minute. And baptism is so similar, I think, to, to a marriage, to, to a wedding. So in a wedding, you've got all these symbols, the rings, the vows that people make, uh, the white dress. But, but really, all the symbols do is they point you towards what's being celebrated right at the center, which is it's about a relationship. It's celebrating relationship. Well, in the same way, baptism, we have symbols. We have a big, giant bowl of water on the floor. We've got another little bowl of water here on the table. We've got oil. We're going to anoint um, people with oil. We get, they're going to be making some promises. And so there's all of these symbols, but really what they're pointing us to is relationship right in the center. And it's about a relationship between the person and God. And uh, we, we often, we come at, at, at who God is from different ways. For some of us, we feel like we are alone in the universe. For others of us, we have this concept of God, but when we try and fill in the blank, we think of him as distant, disengaged, disinterested. If there, if there is a God, he, he, you know, he might be angry, he might be cross, whatever it is, but we fill in this picture. And um, what I found when I became a Christian is it was as if someone slid that letter like that presented it over to the, the guy in Australia across the table for me and they introduced me to who God is. And they said to my astonishment, that there is a God who desires you, who has been reaching out to you. And when we understand that, our whole world begins to change. And the, the main way, the ultimate way that God speaks, he speaks in lots of ways, but the main way he speaks is not by sending a messenger, but by coming himself. And this is what he did when he came himself as Jesus Christ. And I just want to read to you what happened when Jesus got baptised. So in Mark uh, chapter 1, it says this, verse 9. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, just in that little encounter uh, that, 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 that we see when Jesus is baptized, the Father speaks and the Holy Spirit descends on him. It reveals to us who God is. It shows us that God is one God, but that he exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is right at the core of who he is. So if I was trying to, you know, if I suddenly found out there was a God who was looking for me, I'd want to know what he's like. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when, when the early Christians were wrestling with this, what they did is they, they kind of, they looked at God and they saw the way that the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit interacted with each other. The fact that the Father loved the Son and the Son loved the Father and the Father and the Son loved the Spirit who loved the Spirit, who loved the, the Father and the Son and, and they saw the way that they preferred each other and they gave it a name. They called it the dance of God, the dance of joy. And one of the ways that I always think about what Jesus is doing when he arrives to show us who God is, one of the ways I always picture of it is it reminds me of a wedding that I attended uh, when I was a student. And I had two friends called Harris and Miriam who were Jewish and who were getting married. And they invited me along. I'd never been to a Jewish wedding before. Um, I remember sitting and holding the little booklet that tells you what's going to happen. And at the end of it, it said, spontaneous dancing will happen, which terrified me. Spontaneity and dancing combined. Um, you know, I couldn't handle that. But, but there was a moment at the end of the ceremony where Harris, who was the groom, stamped on the glass. 
And when he stamped on the glass, everybody in the room just exploded into life. And they all started dancing around. And, and, uh, and then that was, it wasn't just then, because then we went to the wedding reception. And at the wedding reception, there were all these different courses. And in between the different courses, there was dancing. So, so you, you'd all have to get up. And they had a separate dance floor for men and for women. And everybody would dance. And you looked at it from the outside, which is what I was doing. And it looked kind of crazy. But everybody also seemed to know what they were doing. And I remember standing on the edge of the dance floor thinking, there is no way I'm joining this. But uh, just watching what happened. And they had on the, on the dance floor with all the blokes, they had Harris, my friend, on a chair in the middle. And they were all in circles around him. And they were all going crazy. And they had Harris and they were throwing him up on this chair. And they would throw the chair up. And Harris would literally come off the chair and would just go, yes! And then would somehow manage to land back on the chair and come back down again. And they would throw him up again and he would go, yes! And then he would land back on the chair and come back down again. And I remember just watching this joy kind of just happened in front of me. And Harris then at this point just disappeared from everybody's view. And then he reappeared right in front of my face. And he stuck his hands out like this. And I took his hands. And I remember the moment I took his hands, he just threw me onto the dance floor. And before I knew what was happening, I was caught up in the middle of it. And I always think of of what happens when Jesus becomes Uh, He wanders around and he invites people into relationship with God, a little like this moment here. It's as if the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are having this eternal dance of joy. And then for a moment in eternity, God the Son comes to the edge of the dance floor and he holds out his hand. And through what he does when he's baptized on our behalf, through what he does ultimately through the cross and for the resurrection, what he does is he holds his hand out and for all who take it, he grabs us and then he flings us into the dance of joy. He flings us into relationship with God. And he comes to us as a savior and all we need do is say yes and accept the invitation. And the more I've followed him, the the richer I've realized this is, because it's not only that we come to know God the Son as a Savior. It's It's not just that, and that is incredible. It's also that we come to know God as a Father. People ask questions, what is he like? He shows himself to be a Father. A Father who's kind and who's faithful and who never lets us go. And those of us who've been following him for a while, we can forget, I think, I know I do, what he's like. And we have to remind ourselves again and again and again. And one of the ways that I picture it is it's like if I, um, if I take one of my little kids swimming, if I take my two-year-old little boy into the swimming pool, the moment we get into the water, it's like he grips me because he's a little freaked out by it. Um, he grips my hand. But, but his safety net in that moment is not the fact that his tiny, chubby, little two-year-old hand is gripping my fingers. His safety net is what? It's that I'm gripping him. That's the safety. And, and when we say yes to, to the outstretched hand of, of God in Jesus Christ, we hold on and we can think from that point on, as his people, we can think it's all on us now. We've got to hang on tight. We've got to hang tough. It depends on how hard we try to follow him. And the good news is better than that because what it is, is we take hold of his hand and then he grips us and he never, ever lets us go. There's the security and there's the peace. So we know the Son as a Savior, and we know the Father as the faithful one who never abandons us. But then it doesn't stop there. Because we meet a God. Who is the God who reaches out? 
Who is the God who comes close? Is God who is the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And again, before I became a Christian, I used to think from a distance what this was, is that you say yes to following him, and then one day you get to be with him forever in heaven, and that's how it works. And I, again, I've realized over the years it's, it's actually a lot better than that. Uh, yes, there is the promise of eternity with him, but the message of Christianity is that he loves us so much, he can't wait for us to get to heaven to be with him. And so what he does is he comes to earth to be with us. And he does that through his Holy Spirit who comes to dwell and live inside of us. And again, one picture for me that I have in my head of this is, I don't know if you've ever seen the film The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, but there's this white witch in the film who's the baddie who goes around stabbing all these people with her white wand and turning them to stone. And then Aslan, the lion who represents Jesus in the story, he breaks into the white witch's castle filled with these stone statues and he goes up to them and he breathes on them. And as he breathes on these stone statues, they ripple and and they, they begin to move and then they become fully alive. And what happens when a person comes to know God, when somebody opens up the door of their heart to him, is that he walks in through the presence of his spirit and he, as it were, gives us the kiss of life and he brings us into wholeness. And I have, I have experienced that, um, as I know many have, over the years. When I came to know him, I was shut down uh, in, in lots of different ways. Didn't know how to change. Tried and tried and couldn't do it. And then I said yes to him and welcomed him. And what happened is he breathed, as it were, his love upon me, and he brought me into life. This is who he is. There is a God who reaches out, and for all who take his hand, they find him to be God the Savior who sets them free, God the Father who always walks beside them, and God the Holy Spirit who comes to live within them.